Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. personality and spirituality so woven together I can't separate them which is why the Enneagram for me has deepened my own spiritual journey so Sandra it's great to be with you again in Winston-Salem this time. Yes. Yeah. And we are, I'm excited that we have completed our first 11 episodes where we have explored the habits and patterns of these beautiful nine types uh, on the on the Enneagram system. The personality of those nine perspectives and the personality styles each leads with. And now we're going to take a deeper dive even than what we've done mm-hmm. with nine more people and look at the spiritual dimensions, that uh, deeper dive into the essence, into that place where we manifest loving compassion. Some call it the divine spark. Mm-hmm. And in some, like in my tradition, we would say it's like that imago dei, yes. you know, the image of God that is in all of us. I see personality and spirituality so woven together, I can't separate them, which is why the Enneagram for me has deepened my own spiritual journey because now, given my type 8 personality, I know particular ways that I block my heart from receiving love so I can give it. Mm. And I do believe, Chris, that you know it's about how do we deepen our capacity to receive and give love. Is that, that how you would define spirituality for you? I would say that's a big piece of it. Thanks, yeah. thanks for asking me. But I would say that's a big piece of it. Yeah, it's about learning to love more fully. Yeah, and to receive love more fully. I love that. Yeah, for me, um, when I think about spirituality, um, you know, I, I was formed in a particular tradition, and so that informs how I think about it now. Um, I also think of it more broadly than the Christian tradition. But for me, um, spirituality is about relationship, mm. um, and I think of it in particular as about relationship with the divine with God, and it's the the God that is uh, transcendent, that is, you know, above and beyond everything, and also the God that is right here mm-hmm. in me, in you, in everything. And so it's nurturing that relationship, tending to that relationship. And I, I love when you talk about it, uh, giving and receiving love, because that, that is what we do in relationships, right? We right. give and receive love. Right. You know, I remember both of us went to Candler School of Theology, and in uh, at the beginning of my feminist theologies course, the professor said, you know, one of the most foundational theological questions we can ask is, who am I? Mm. And that's what this Enneagram has really given me, a very clear, truthful map of what's going on in my inner landscape. Mm. I'm so grateful. Yeah, me too. It's It's been a powerful tool for me. Chris, can you talk about, for yourself, why you wanted to do the spiritual dimensions piece for this podcast. Thanks for that question. Um, it's hard for me to separate, as you name, you know, 
personality and spirituality or life from spirituality, but I have this deep sense of, uh, and desire for connection, um, with God, with all things, with all people. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's really hard actually to talk about a little bit because it's the lifeblood. It's my deep sense of vocation. Um, you know, my work at Wake Forest is really about inviting people on into a spiritual journey, into a spiritual, uh, places of transformation. And so for me, it's, it's what motivates me. And Mm. so I, I feel so passionate about it in my own life and my own desire to grow and to grow spiritually that I want to, um, offer spaces and places for others to think about, experience, engage, uh, this spiritual journey and spiritual growth. And so this podcast seems like a great way to begin asking some of those questions of our guests and also so our listeners can, can listen in on that. Thank you, Chris. I'm wondering how you weave the Enneagram, because I know you teach Enneagram in your classes, how you weave that into the spiritual journey of students. Yeah, I, um, as you, as you named beautifully, the, this question of knowing self uh, is a way of knowing God. And, And there are many theologians along the way who've said some version of that. So a big part of knowing who I am as someone created in the image of God, which again is the way I would talk about it, um, is knowing what is that, what's an expression of that manifestation. So as I know myself, as I know my deepest self, now I think of it sometimes our personality um, is such an important part. It was formed for very important reasons um, in us, and it also can sometimes cloud over uh, our essence as you name that divine spark. And so the more we're aware of those habits and patterns, um, then it can help us have choice. It can help us get to that deeper essence. Um, so for me, the Enneagram is a tool for, um, it's a resource for creating that kind of self-awareness, that opening. Um, and it, and it, as we often say in our book, it, it, it helps us come to an open heart, you know, a softened heart, yes. um, a compassionate place for ourselves and for others. And, uh, and so that's, that's how I bring that in. What about you, Sandra? What, what uh, motivates you, excites you about bringing in the spiritual dimension into this work in the podcast? As I said before, I really can't separate personality and spirituality, and the Enneagram weaves those together so well. I mean, it has separate conversations about each one, but, you know, there's a oneness to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the vice to virtue shift, and we'll talk about that momentarily. But that first step on my spiritual journey really is who am I? And if I don't know who I am, how can I get out of my own way? Yes. So I'll be so full of me that I can't hear the sacred whisperings. And as Helen Palmer teaches us, type, when I'm in the personality, can't have a spiritual experience. Mm. It's only when we go receptive, meaning receive in the moment. No past, no future. We're present and we're able to receive. And in that place, we do have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm, that's beautiful. So my practice, especially, especially I might say, as one who leads with eight, is these days more about being receptive. Mm-hmm. Can I receive you? So when I go receptive, it makes more room for another to show up more fully. Mm-hmm. 
think what's coming up for me is that I care really deeply about this. Right. Like that, um, you know, that my, the work of my life Mm -hmm. um, is to tend to the divine, to tend to that which is most intimately in me and most intimately in you and beyond all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have this, I feel a sense of tenderness um, as we talk about this because I want to communicate, you know, well, Mm -hmm. what I'm sensing and what I'm feeling and why this matters to me. Mm -hmm. I think for both of us, we really meet in that place of um, feeling called to go deeper spiritually and to name that as you know, why we're alive. Right. Yes. And I've had experiences of that connectedness, of that oneness, of that, you know, um, Thomas Merton talked about, who was a, he was a monk, and he talked about, there's this beautiful quote where he walked out on the streets in Louisville, Kentucky, and he stood on the corner and he looked around and saw all the people and said, you know, I noticed that they were all bright shining like the sun. Mm. But that sense of, of, and there are moments I've experienced this where I can't help but just love yes. everything and everyone in my path. And those to me are moments of unitive, those moments of, of um, spiritual depth and realness and connectedness. And that's, I want to live more in that. Yeah because of the gift that I've received in that, the gratitude that it evokes in me. And I want to offer that at least spaces for that for others. Oh, Chris, that's so beautiful. Mm. And I'm aware just listening to you. And of course I can see you that the shift for all of us is from fear to love. Mm. And you just hit that place of where, you know, this call to love and that you're manifesting that through your teaching of the spiritual journey. And not to be too didactic here, but that's really the vice to virtue conversion, and it's an energetic conversion. So we've talked in the first episodes about the vice of each of the nine styles. And in these episodes forthcoming, we're going to be speaking to the virtue Mm -hmm. of each of the nine styles. And we might say that the energy of the vice, it's an emotional habit. And it's, it's a drive, but it's driven by a distorted view of reality, mm. an illusion, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this is familiar energy. It can be used as a trailhead. So if I'm in the throes of my vice, which is lust or for you, envy, but right. if I follow that energy, I get present with myself and I notice it. And I allow that energy to come and be a part of who I am and accept it, welcome it, without acting or expressing, but to simply pause, get present, and allow all that's arising in me. Make sure I understand what the emotion is. I'll ask my body, is this anger? The body responds very quickly, and 99% of the time my body says, hurt. Mm. Okay, so now I need to welcome hurt in me. And if I, at that point, can drop the story about why I'm hurt Mm. or the story of my lust energy, whatever that story is, but if I can simply feel it, stay with the physicality of that emotion for 90 seconds, and this is from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she says a real emotion lasts 90 seconds. Mm. 
if we can stabilize attention on it without a story. And of course, our type structure wants us to keep the story. Tell a story. But it's just amazing if, if we can drop the story and stay with that felt sense or the physicalness of the emotion. Because each of us is made of compassion, the body, without any effort on our part, except stabilizing attention for 90 seconds, will shift that energy to compassion, to, to virtue. Mm-hmm. And then the emotion no longer controls us. We get our higher selves back, and we're sitting in compassion. It has saved me many times to practice that. So the vice is the trailhead, Mm -hmm. if we can notice. And then that once we're there into this virtue whatever your virtue is by your type, and we have those listed in the back of our book if you want to look at those. And once we're there, sitting in, for me, innocence, for a seven sitting in constancy, I like to name that time as a narrow gate into receiving my enlightened spiritual perspective which for me as an eight is holy truth. The enlightened spiritual perspective I'm using rather than saying holy idea. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense to me. So as I teach now, rather than holy idea, I will say enlightened spiritual perspective because what it is, it is an enlightened view that is not obstructed by the past or the future. It is an unobstructed view of reality right here and right now. And my sitting in my innocence, my virtue, and that compassionate place, I then receive holy truth, my enlightened spiritual perspective. And I like to say it's like a southern breakfast. You get grits on your plate, whether you order them or not. (laughs) They just come. And so we simply receive. We can't earn this enlightened spiritual perspective, but we can receive it. And we can have desire and create circumstances and work with ourselves doing inner work so that we get in this place of our virtue more often. And then we receive the gift of the enlightened spiritual yes. perspective. So thank you, Sandra. The As you mentioned, this enlightened spiritual perspective, some of the traditional teaching, uh, Enneagram teaching uses the word um, holy ideas. Um, we like enlightened spiritual perspective as you described it so beautifully. And you may notice uh, as we receive the enlightened spiritual perspective, we may notice how that um, is the opposite of what we sometimes call the habit of mind. Right. It's such a, a beautiful experience to simply sit in that place for me, which holy truth simply means non-dual, mm-hmm. which of course with my habit of mind of blaming, well, in a non-dual world, there's no one to blame. We're all one. So it's just a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. And we can have this when we experience moments of awe. So if you can remember a time when you were in awe and describe yourself, you're probably describing yourself in your virtue, Mm -hmm. which then 
the narrow gate into the enlightened spiritual perspective. And it's important to say, too, that once I have moved into my own enlightened spiritual perspective and received it, the other eight come. It's a package deal. Mm. So the other eight, meaning the other eight Enneagram styles, have an enlightened spiritual perspective. But mine is the more difficult path for me Mm -hmm. to receive. So when I can get that, then we all kind of look alike Mm. when we're sitting in our virtue Mm -hmm. and we know our enlightened spiritual perspective. We are, type has receded. Right. It's softened or relaxed. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, I'm aware, Chris, that we have begun and concluded each of our episodes with a quote that you shared with me when we first talked about doing this podcast. Yeah, the the quote that our line, um, where we invite people to take a courageous and loving look at what is, it comes from uh, a Jesuit, it's, it's modified from a Jesuit priest whose name was Walter Burkhart, and he described... Uh, contemplation, that was his word, as a long and loving look at the real. And as you and I talked about that, you know, we said there was a deep resonance that we had about that and said, what is, what is it we're inviting people into this work? And, um, and we uh, changed it, of course, to say a courageous and loving look at what is. And I think courageous is that first part. It's that willingness to step in and look, to yes. see. And um, we talk about this as acceptance, right? Just the, the courage to simply notice what's coming up in me as you describe in the vice. Um, and, but, it, but we have to have courage to do that because it it's not easy. And then once we have that courage, we then also look with a loving gaze, with an open heart. So yes. we take we have the courage to go and look, and then we look at it with love, with acceptance. Not judgment, critique, but a loving acceptance. Yes, absolutely. And then what is, you know, we what what's simply there? What's coming up? What do we notice in ourselves, in the world around us? Simply what is. So a courageous and loving look at what is. That's the heart of what we're doing in this podcast. It's the heart of the Enneagram. And in particular, as we look at the spiritual dimensions of type, this is really the lens or the metaphor to get us there. I so appreciate that we've been using this quote and I'm glad that you knew of it and we've incorporated it into this. And to me, it seems like it really does lead us into this place of acceptance where We know the holy virtue, holy idea, now called enlightened spiritual perspective. And it would be, for one, in this place of acceptance, knowing the grace-filled heart, where all shall be well. There's just a knowing and a settling in, no more improving. And then for type two, in a receptive heart, which arises, then twos can accept unearned love. There's no need for approval. And then for those leading with three, it's the true or authentic heart. And in this place, the beingness of three is so impressive and enough. 
And for our beloved fours, the grateful heart emerges. Grateful for who I am. I am who I've always wanted to be or want to become. And that's a place where the comparing mind of four, fours realize, you know what? I'm better than my ideal. And for the five, we come to the generous heart. That sense of, I have all the energy, all the resources I need and can give freely and also receive freely. For the six with a courageous heart, I can step forward into the unknown, into the uncertainty and know that all will be okay, that I will be, I have the courage and I will be well. For seven, the quiet heart, the staying with, the being with what is, which allows that sort of, that habit of wanting to shift to the next thing, just to quiet and just notice the gift of the present moment. For the eight, the eight comes to a tender heart to know that ultimately someone's got my back or that I am that I can soften and relax and know that I'm held and protected ultimately. And for the nine, the alive heart, that place of clarity and passion and energy where I come alive and know who I am and what I want. And this work is really about all of these hearts we name are coming to a place of op- the open heart. Yes. That place of, you describe beautifully, receptivity, a place of love, place of compassion but the opening of the heart some teachers believe that the next place of human evolution is to become more spacious internally meaning an openness as you say chris but more space where i can actually observe myself catch myself before i walk down that same path that does not serve me that space within me where i can choose a different way and create a new neural pathway. Yes. And that is the gift of the Enneagram. That is why we do what we do, because the Enneagram helps create that space. We're nothing short of rewiring the brain. Yes. And so with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Chris. And I'm Sandra. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.